0: Voices that inspire the extended interview.
1: My name is James Cock, and I've always been teased about my last name and mispronounced teachers and everything. It's C-O-C-K-E, and uh, I'm a wannabe artist. And uh, I took up painting uh, Father's Day of this year, and I've gone crazy like a Painting fool because I have the end stage glaucoma. And I was explaining to my doctor that I see patterns and in the mornings and at night, things like floaters and, you know, flashing, just normal things that you hear in the doctor's office, eye doctors. And uh, I explained to him what I what I'm seeing, and he said, well, that's normal for end-stage glaucoma, and uh, so I had my wife on Father's Day get me some paint and some canvases and whatnot, and I painted what I see, and he explained to me that it's brain-oriented uh, it's not something I'm actually seeing because I can shut my eyes, and the images I can see them with my eyes shut. Or and in the mornings when I'm looking around, I see it on the walls everywhere, for about ten or fifteen minutes, and they disappear. And uh, so I got my paintings out and got down, and I started sketching them and painting them, and and I I realized. Heck, I it didn't take me long to do that, and I I, I want to keep painting, so it, it, that was my start, and and that's pretty much how I got started. And I see different things at night, and I see things in the middle of the night, and uh, when I wake up and uh, have to use the restroom or something, then I I'll see these different flashings and whatnot. But so it didn't take me long to realize. I I'll be a short-term artist if if I just paint that because I wanted to paint more and uh I've gone crazy. So you
0: obviously then started to paint things from memory like your childhood and scenes of your you know the, the one is of the collecting the pine tar You've got different images that must come from a different time in your life.
1: Absolutely, I started painting uh, things that was around the house. Being seventy years old, and uh, I've inherited things from my parents and grandparents. And we've moved. Poor people move more than other people, and and we're unlike other people. We've never thrown anything away. We always. Move and never have garage sales or anything like that. So it was so easy to find objects like an old uh, moonshine jug that was came from the uh, other side of the family, and uh, this and that. I, old flue covers that went over the fireplace, uh, and I could just name hundreds of items that I had, and then I thought, well, I want to do some more things, and I wanted to do some scenes, and I didn't know what I was doing, so I was just a self-taught, and I'm still learning, uh, and uh, they say you can't teach an old dog a new trick. Well, I, I'm trying, and it. I started with these little 11 by 14 canvases because I can just pick them up and hold them right up to my face because I'm legally blind in one eye and I I can't see anything. It's dark. And my left eye, my doctor actually wrote it down on a piece of paper the other day. He said, uh, I consider you severely disabled with your left eye. He said, but you're just right next to being legally blind in that eye," uh, he said. "It's just a real thin line, and he said people don't understand it. Uh, when you're uh, legally blind, you can still see light, you know, and, and still move around and around your surroundings. And so that's what I, I I'm at that stage. And glaucoma is a pressure uh, thing, and I went to the Jacksonville Jaguars team doctor because my doctor referred him to me, and I'd been to 10 doctors, and I credit him with saving my left eye, which is now my good eye. And, uh, of course, he does see patients other than just the Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, the bottom line is my doctor now says that he thinks that as long as I can maintain my health, that I'll be able to see what I can see. And like I say, I credit that to the Jacksonville Jaguars team, doctor. So
0: how long have you been navigating this now?
1: Well, it it started probably 10 or 15 years ago. I see a lot of things. And it's like looking through a screen door. Uh, In other words, I could see but I couldn't see clearly and I had cataracts and uh I don't know how long ago it was but it was probably 8 years ago uh that I had a or maybe 10 years ago that I had a surgery where the doctor said let's do uh the cataract and the surgery to relieve pressure D- do a two in one thing and that didn't go well and in layman's term, my right eye was snuffed out, and uh, so I, I guess you call it call me lucky on that one. But I was still able to see, and I played tennis all my life. I was a football player in high school, and uh,
0: I can see that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I had rheumatic fever when I was twelve, and uh, they said I wouldn't ever play sports again. But when I uh, became a senior in high school, I wanted to play so bad, so uh, I went out for the football team, and he, that coach did everything he could to kill us. But, uh, but I lived through it. And at the end of the season, the coach said, every athlete that plays with me has to do two sports. So in the spring, there was track, which was running, and I'm not built for running and the other one was baseball, and the baseball coach, I love baseball, but he was a, a running coach. And so I said, I'll go out for the tennis team. And everybody laughed, but I wound up playing number one, and uh, the next fella behind me was only in the ninth grade, and he's, he's a professional player, out and teaches out in California, and been on the pro tour. But I could beat him because I was 18, and he was only like, Thirteen or fourteen, but uh. And where was this? Where did you grow up? I, I I was born in L.A. and I laughingly say that's Lower Alabama, but my my dad died when I was four, and my mom had a nervous breakdown, and so we moved to Waycross, Georgia, and I always kid about this. Waycross is the largest city in the largest county in the largest state east of the Mississippi River. And everybody says, no, there's no way. But if you break it down, uh, it is true. But uh, growing up in Waycross, that's been my home until I lost my job when my boss, I was a supervisor for food snack company and he sold out to two brothers and so there went my job and so i I moved from there to beaufort south carolina who i who i say is whom i think is the most beautiful city in the world it's right on the coast and movies have been made there but uh i got homesick and uh Moved back to back toward Waycross, and I wound up in Valdosta, Georgia, and I've been there ever since and raised three three boys, and uh, and and I love Valdosta now, and I I've coached little league ball everywhere I've been, and uh, I first started out when I first got married, uh, coaching baseball, basketball, and football, and then I realized. I might be divorced here for too long. I better cut some of them out. So I, 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 I went with football and I coached Little League until I got it until my oldest son got in high school and uh, they asked me at a private school, would I mind helping? And I, so I coached there a few years. and I did learn that there's nothing different between the little boys and the big boys other than size, but it was all the same. And I played tennis through all that time. And then when the sports season would come in, I would tell the guys I played with, I said, well, I'll see y'all later uh, in, in three or four months when the sports is over with that I was coaching. And I said, I won't be any worse, and y'all won't be any better. And I did that for forever. I was lucky. In the, in the in the sense that when I moved to Valdosta, when I went out to the tennis courts, I met a fella that uh, his dad was, uh, the tennis courts in Valdosta was named after his dad, the Harry B. Anderson Tennis Courts. And my buddy Bill, he was the best player in Valdosta. And so we hit it off and we became doubles partners and, I always tell everybody, me and Bill could beat anybody as long as I had Bill on my team. And uh, we played together through all these years and uh, with the USTA and uh, won many, many city championships and then regional and then state championships. And then they go on to what they call sectional in the USTA and won a couple sectionals, but it was just, it was like a vacation for me. It was my only time away. And uh, so I've enjoyed tennis. And I'll say this last thing about tennis is when I started playing tennis, uh, a can of tennis balls was $2. And when I finished playing tennis about eight years ago, a can of tennis balls were $2. I don't know what they are today, but it, it's, a, it's the only thing I can ever think of that stayed the same in 50 years.
0: Well, that is quite a story. You must be well known then in your community.
1: well, I, I know some folks, and uh, but and I, the last twenty five years of my my working career, I was an uh, in-home air conditioning salesperson and uh, so i I, hit, I it was a wonderful job. I wish I'd had it my whole life because I'd go into uh, somebody's home and they'd want to show me their stuff, you know. And I was always proud to see all that stuff. So I've seen the, just collections, and you just wouldn't believe what all I've seen. And uh, so it, it was not a hard job physically, and uh, and I've always loved, you know, meeting people and 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 dealing with people. And uh, but then when the glaucoma hit me, uh, I had to shut down because I couldn't drive to work, especially on rainy days or foggy days or just darker days because glaucoma, with my vision, light is the key. If, if, if I look into a box in a, in a room that's got real decorative Christmas ornaments, well, all I see is a black hole. But if I take one of the the objects out and hold it in a real bright light, I can see it.
0: So when you're painting, when, you, when you're when you picking an object, do you hold the object up close to you, or are you going by feel? How do you figure out how to paint
1: something? I put them in front of me. I, <laughs> I paint on a card table that I had as a child, and uh, I just put the object in front of me. Now... A lot of times I may pick an item off a TV. Uh, You know, I've, I've painted so many things in this short time. I don't like new movies because I can't see their lips and I can't, you know, they might go in a room, and I can't see. It's just a dark room. But the old westerns and the old movies, I just about know what they're going to say before they say them so I can keep up with them. But I can stop a like a, a western movie, and i see a scene I like, and I'll just pause it, and I'll take a picture of it. And then I'll uh, go into my little art room. We call it the junk room that it was <laughs> But now I call it the studio, which is funny. But uh, I'll take that picture on my phone and I'll blow it up as big as I can get it and I'll hold the phone right up to my face and I'll hold the thing with one hand and I'll paint with the other. And uh, one thing about painting is uh, if I paint something, I can just if I don't like it, I just paint over it. Or if I...
0: <laughs> what kind of paint do you use?
1: I use acrylic. And I think the Lord looked after me on that because when I went to my eye doctor and he said, you're painting? And I said, yes. And uh, he said, what kind of you use? And I said, acrylic. He said, oh, goodness. He said, I was afraid you was going to say oil because that oil is terrible for your eyes. Well, I didn't know that. I just had my wife go to the store and get some paint, and she just picked out acrylic. And uh, and I, I didn't know anything about how to do backgrounds and all that, but I, you know, I picked it up and learning. And uh, Well, I, I see a
0: theme here. I see a theme. You know, you decided tennis was a game you loved, and you went all in. You went all in. And then when you, like, started having this... Images that you wanted to paint, you've gone all into painting. Doesn't sound like you go halfway on things.
1: Well, I'll say this: I, even when I lost an eye, I went to the tennis courts and tried to play with my buddies, and it was just so hard. And finally, one day, the doctor told me, he said James, he said he put his hand up about six inches away from a wall. He said, "You see my hand here." And you see the depth perception? Uh, I said, yes. He said, well, depth perception takes about four years for an eye to adjust, somebody with one eye. He said, but on a moving object, you'll never catch up with it. So with that, I just said, that's it. You know, I'm not going to give it up. I had to. So
0: I want to know, where does this drive come from? You know, it sounds like you've had this drive in your life. Where where does it come from? And and blindness is not going to slow you down.
1: Well, I'll, I guess the best way to say it is when I, I've been active in sports and I was a Special Olympics coach with a school that I worked at for seven years. Everything I did, I you know, I tried to do my best. And I guess that's just instilled in people, you know, you want to, Put your best foot forward. But when I came home and just had to turn the keys over to my wife, I couldn't drive anymore. And there's just so much TV you can, I couldn't read anymore. I was an avid reader. Uh, and when they did the cataract surgery, they take the lens off of your eye and then they didn't tell me that, well, you're going to have to have readers the rest of your life, because I could see very good before I had the cataract surgery. So it was like a double whammy, and I'm just sitting there at home, bored out of my gourd. I'm just thinking, what can I do? And I, So I started telling stories, and I uh, did one thing after another, uh, just trying to be busy but I just couldn't and I had to retire early on social security at age 62 and so now I'm 70 and I'm uh, when I picked up painting it just it was like a a breath of fresh air it's just so something to do and now when I wake up of a morning uh, if I'm not painting I'm thinking about what I'm going to paint so it's And uh, in the middle of the night, I I wake up and I think, I know what I want to paint tomorrow. And I get my phone out and I'll go to my reminders and I got a voice text and I'll throw that on there. And the next morning, because at 70 years old, I don't know about Alzheimer's and all that kind of stuff, but I know if I don't write it down right then and there, it won't get done. And uh, I guess a lot of people go through that.
0: I, I think that that's pretty common.
1: Yes. I'm Even s-
0: for people not 70.
1: That's right, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: so did you have artists in mind? Did, did, did you like art? Had you had any connection to art?
1: Well, my art started when I was young and in school. I guess I didn't follow all the rules, and I doodled a lot. And so... I did it secretively because I didn't want to get in trouble. But later on in life, well, when I'll say I was 18 or 20, I did some sketching, and uh, it was just with a pencil, and uh, I-, I loved it. And uh, But, of course, life goes on, and you just can't. D- and I was so busy, and so for 50 years, you know, went by, and th- then I uh, wanted to, you know, paint a little bit, so I sketched a little bit here and sketched a little bit there, and uh, n- not the best in the world, but I thought it was pretty good, and when you see real art and what r- what real artists can do, it's amazing. But uh, I heard somebody that was a disabled painter Say that their art might not be great, but it's great to them, you know, and uh it's according how you look at it it's from a perspective
0: absolutely absolutely so but you you started painting and then you you found yourself um how did you find out about entering some of your work into that
1: competition? Well, there's a group. Uh, it's called the Visually Impaired Foundation of Georgia. I was leaving, uh, probably Doctor Number Nine out of Atlanta, specialist, and I'm around making Georgia coming south toward Valdosta, and I get this phone call, and he says, James, I got your number from Doctor So and So in Atlanta, and I'm with the uh, this visual uh, group and. He says, if you qualify with your eyesight, we might could help you with some things. And so he was the nicest fella. And come to find out, he's legally blind and he, and he works for this nonprofit organization. And uh, so I gave them permission to contact my doctor. And they looked at my records and said, oh, yeah, you qualify. And so they started sending me just looks like a welder's mask, and it's got lights and lenses, and and like you buy a pair of 2.0 readers. I got a pair of 6.0 readers, and uh, all this is free that they give to you, and they they have a lady come around and teach you how to uh, do voice things on your iPhone and your— Computer and changed the screen. They had just been a, a godsend to me. Uh, they sent me a white walking stick, and I don't—I can see well enough to walk down the street. But she pointed out, but everybody else don't know you're blind, and that white stick shines out, and they'll know to go around you. You know, they might be reading their iPhone or texting on the phone and might run over you, but they'll see that that stick it'll shine out. But anyway, they have been so much help to me, and and uh, in one of the conversations, the lady from Mississippi uh, told me she said, "James, I have another client that is a uh, visually impaired artist, and she has agreed to let." for me to give you her number so I called her and she said James I'm so sorry but uh and she was probably 80 and I'm 70 so she said I have completely lost my vision now so I I had to quit painting and uh she said but there is a uh a, a Georgia artist with disabilities contest that runs every year, and she said, you ought to call them and enter. Well, I called them, and the day I called them, which was that day, they said, oh, our deadline was yesterday. And they said, but we're not that strict. So she emailed me a form, and my wife printed it off and filled it out for me, and uh, I entered, and lo and behold, I... I won an award and the award I won was just exactly what I was saying about. I took a picture of an old Western and uh, the movie was the Oxbow instant and it had a eight or ten cowboys walking through the woods going back to their camp. And all I could see was their white hats. And so that's what I painted, those hats walking through the woods. And and it won uh, a Distinguished Merit Award and won me a little bit of cash. And I was so happy. Tell
0: me about that painting again. I love the idea of these. Were they like just floating white hats
1: through a a field, a a woods? Actually, that's about the way it looked. It was a movie movie. And I paused it, took a picture of it, and when I look at my camera, uh, my phone, all I see is the hats walking through the woods. So I had a little, like a, I don't know how I did it. I couldn't do it again if I wanted to, which is the way a lot of my paintings turn out. And uh, it's like they're floating on a, on a sheet or something. And uh, and that's that's how that painting came about.
0: How did it feel? To have someone buy one of your pieces of art,
1: I didn't start painting to make money, but it makes you feel good that somebody might like your work, and uh, and then when somebody compensates you, that's even it's like gravy on top of everything.
0: So, what's next? Are you got some other places to enter some of your art?
1: Well, uh, I'm the lady at a, a show. Saturday, was a retired art teacher, and she said, James, do you mind giving me... Uh, do you mind if I give you some tips? And I said, absolutely, I'd love some. She said, start painting larger paintings. And so I'm, I'm going to try to start doing some larger paintings. I'm going to try to uh, keep finding uh, places to put my art. And uh, she even mentioned to me that... I, uh, if money was a problem, that I might even try to apply for some grants if I knew somebody that could help me with that. And uh, she, she said, there's grants out there. And uh, so I'm, I'm just looking for other avenues to sell my art and uh, to help us just get by. I'm, you know, we're not trying to get rich. We're just trying to make it. Absolutely. So... Through all of this, what, what
0: what keeps you going? What keeps you inspired?
1: Just having something to do. When when you're out there, I was a salesman. I was meeting people every day, and uh, I had the gift a gab, and it was just wonderful. And then when you're just sitting at home, anything would inspire you. Anything would be a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And I I, I hope that since the Lord don't guarantee you another day, you know, I'm, I I want to just paint and paint until I drop. Well, it sounds like you have no lack of ideas in your
0: head of what you want to paint.
1: I, I've got a, a reminder on my phone, and I've probably got 20, re, 20 reminders of things to paint. I, I don't think that'll ever be a problem, and I like to paint things that's happening today you know uh, I saw a, I saw a thing on uh, CBS Sunday mornings the other day about a, a plumber and he was saying that plumbing and, and carpentry and all that that's that's art uh, but it's I can't remember the, the name he used and I said well I, I'm gonna paint that you know so I get ideas from everywhere uh talking to somebody and uh, coming in this place this morning I saw that nipper the dog I, I got to paint him I mean he's such, he's such a beautiful dog and iconic so I, I don't have a, a lack of, of items to paint and I even like to paint words and uh, and do music and uh Growing up in the in the early '70s and late '60s, I'm an old rock and roller, and I didn't listen to country. And so, but then when I got older, then I listened to an old country song. It was a new, so so I, I I just I there's just no end to what I could paint. Now whether it looks good or not, I can always if I go outside the lines when I'm painting, I can just paint. Paint over the outside of the lines with the background color, or I can just take a brush and just start all over again. So it's 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 easy for me to paint, but for it to look good, now that's another question.
0: <laughs> so thinking of all that you've been through and the challenges you have faced with your losing your vision. What what advice would you give to someone else who might be going through something that's so personally challenging?
1: I'll, I'll go back to the very beginning. When my dad died when I was four and my mom lost it, she was an Army nurse, and so she didn't have to go to some of the uh, hospitals like Milledgeville in Georgia. That she was able to go to a VA hospital and... But just dealing with seeing all the things that she went through, and she would come home, and then she would stay two or three years, and then the police would come and get her and put her in the car and take her back. And, you know, we didn't have Dr. Phil when I was growing up. I sure needed him. But all those things, uh, they they add up in your life. And, And so... I got one painting called a bipolar mama, you know, and uh, but finally, I don't want to get too long-winded here. But when I was about 20 years old, the the VA doctor called me from Salisbury, North Carolina, and said, "James, uh, are you you gonna just let your mom stay here?" And my brother was older, and he was in charge, so he actually called me Wayne. He said, "Wayne, are you gonna let your?" Uh, mom, stay here. She's not getting any worse, and she's not doing any better. And I said, You mean I can go get her? He said, Yes, you can come in today. I said, No. I said, But I'll be there tomorrow. And so I I had, besides all the things that I did, I looked after my mom until she passed at 91 about six or eight years ago, and so everybody always says, James, you know, the Lord's gonna bless you f- for looking after your mom the way you did. Nobody would ever do that because she was a cantankerous woman. And uh, but uh, I thought, well, she tried to raise me, so I'm gonna try to do the right thing with her. But uh, uh, so I, I, all that it just. It just makes who you are, all your experiences, and if somebody is having a hard time, there's somebody out there having a harder time. I, I could go on and on here. My my wife, who my caretaker here, she's got a half sister that's in a in a nursing home in Macon, Georgia. She had a tumor on the stem of her. On her spinal cord, and she's been paralyzed. And you know, if you think you've got it bad, you know, just look around you, and uh, you you could be a blessing for somebody. Whether whether it's by being the bad person and say just don't be like that person, (laughs) or you could be a blessing in some way if if you just keep on keeping on.
0: Well, I think that's really good advice. You know what? You, what's the alternative? You, I mean, you can either kind of be a positive influence or a negative
1: one. That's right. I've I've tried my best to help people, and and I always wanted to. I always wanted to because of my mom. I wanted to, to get, make money, and I wanted to give money to the. Uh, she was to the bipolar foundation because all bipolar's don't end in sad stories, but a lot of them do. And uh, I just wanted to be able to give. I, I'd love to make enough money with my paintings that I could give a portion to the research for bipolar. Everybody has their own uh, charities and uh, things that they want to help and do for, but that would be what I would want to help for.
0: Well, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and you are you're just... I can tell you're a storyteller. You have sons, did you say, or three children?
1: I've got twins that are 37, 38 years old and another son that's 44. I got their ages wrong. I think the twins are 39, and uh, they've all... I'm just so proud of them. Do they live in near you
0: or did they do do they stay in the area?
1: Yeah, they they stayed. Uh two of them live in and One lives in Boston, which is I know where Boston
0: is. It's got it's got the half marathon every year. That's right. That's right. I want to thank you for you and your wife for making the trip down here from Valdosta. It's not it's not close, so thank you for making the the drive.
1: we got an old clunker with a bad transmission, so we're we just lucky to be here. <laughs> My name is James Cock, and I'm an artist. I'm a new artist, but I'm an artist.